Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Do we truly live in a state of trust? That's what I want to start with today. Do we truly live in a state of trust? Good answer. (laughs) I have at times in my life found a challenge with living in a state of trust. Today's message was inspired uh, by this song initially. And it was one of those funny things that happens. And I was inspired by this song. And so when Tyler asked me, you know, well, what's the title of your talk, what's the title of your message, so I can put it in the email, so I can get the email out on time on Wednesday, as you demand of me as my boss, he says. (laughs) The joke is, Tyler runs this place. He's really my boss. I said, well, there's a, you know, I love this song, and so the, 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 the two words that jump out at me are ending unplanned. Ending unplanned. And so that's what went out on the email, and, you know, it's based on the song. And, um, and I started, like, thinking about it. As you know, I think about my, I do think about these things. I think about my message, and I was kind of not coming up with anything that you know, didn't feel like I'd already said it before. It just didn't feel right. You know, something was not quite lining up for me. And um, I decided that what I needed to do was truly live up to the principle of the title of the message, Ending Unplanned, and to not work so darn hard at planning it out. And I kept saying to myself, what needs to be expressed is going to be expressed. It will show up. It will rise up. It will do its perfect work because that is our nature. And so I had to remind myself to live in a state of trust, to to allow myself to become a demonstration of intuition. To become a demonstration of intuition. And so a lot of things lined up in service to that. I do want to start with this that you wrote. And I'm going to read it a little faster. In the stillness, become inwardly clear that you are already unconditional love. You are already prosperous. You are already radiant health. You are already life. Life will then bring people and situations that are needed to bring your desire into perfect form. I'm going to read that last sentence again. If you understand these truths about yourself, life will then bring the people and situations that are needed to bring your desire into perfect form. Oh, you don't know. (laughs) You don't know. I'm going to give that back to you. Thank you for that. I invite you today to join me on a journey. I feel like today is a little bit different in, in, in some ways. Today is a little bit different. And this is the journey that I want to take you on. I entered a magical world in 1985. It was unmatched in its magic. This magical world I entered into was the collaboration and the cohesion of a group of individuals that were basically with me on a journey from 1985 till about 1981. And I say that it was unmatched in its its magic because 
there are people who were involved in that. And in the physical location, they were, they I know I'm being very obtuse, and this is very much on purpose, so just want to be clear. So we were going through, we were like this living force that was going through these physical spaces, this group of people and I. Um, and there were people who were part of the physical space who later said there was magic that was unparalleled in that particular group of people that went through these physical spaces. So I'm talking about my time in junior high and high school. <laughs> I started in grade seven in 1985. I graduated from high school in 1991. And part of this camaraderie lasted until kind of into 2000, not 2000, into, into like 1993, 94, and then the people, like the teachers who were there said, there was nothing like it ever since. They had never experienced anything like it ever since. I hold firm that this magical time is actually what ultimately brought me to stand right here in this spot. And the absolute perfection that the person who introduced me, whether she knew it or not, to this philosophy is here in the room with me. That's why I was so taken in that moment. Do you mind if I call you out a little bit? This is, <laughs> this is Caressa. I have talked in the past about my path to new thought was through a play called Angels in America that she directed. <laughs> and I look at that time in my life, wow, I look at that time in my life that this magic kind of continued on for me wherever I went, and I, and I had this beautiful like unfolding of experience in the theater, and it brought me to this place because of the theater, and not because it was fated, because I don't believe, I don't hold firm in the idea that there's fate, I don't believe in the idea that there's kismet, I don't believe there's predestiny. It was, ultimately, I recognize now, my mental equivalent, that there was something in me, in my consciousness, in my heart, that said, this is the path that I choose to be on, and that is going to be the most magnificent, thriving, flourishing experience that is possible for me. And I invite us all to find out what that is for ourselves. That's why I stand up here every single week to say, I want you to know what it is for you that sings in your heart that says, yes, this is mine. So this magic has always been a part of me. The individuals that were part of that, we've all kept in communication throughout the years, even before Facebook. Like we had, like, like we would do this thing before Facebook existed um, in the uh, like, late, late 90s, early 2000s that we would call Party in the Old Pueblo. And it was like we would just create our own little reunion, and we would come together at the holidays, and we would find a place, and we would all go be there together. This magic that's been part of me was um, rooted in a time in a theater, in a high school, junior high and high school theater program, where we did shows that high schools don't do. <laughs> we really took a deep dive into Shakespeare, and not just Romeo and Juliet or Midsummer Night's Dream. I did Taming of the Shrew in, in high school. Um, 
Have you ever heard of a high school producing a streetcar named Desire? <laughs> My high school produced a streetcar named Desire. When I was in high school, I directed the Glass Menagerie. We did Noel Coward. We did things that are just not typically done in high school. We were invited, this group of people, to really lean into acting, directing, designing, to be the full creative selves that we were really showing up as. I was reminded of that time very clearly as I was considering what I wanted to say today. I was reminded of that time very clearly um, on Friday night. Friday afternoon, I reached out to my sister, and I said, hey, there's this show that has kind of been coming across my feed on social media. I don't know if you know, I like social media. <laughs> I never talk about it, I know. <laughs> but there's this show that keeps like showing up in my algorithm. And so I want to go see it. And it's a, it was a co-production of Southern Arizona Performing Arts Company. Dennis, who sang here last week, is the artistic director of SAPAC. And uh, the Inner Voice Studio, which is, a, which is an organization that works with high school-aged kids to sing, to learn how to sing. And so it's a co-production between the two of them, and the show is called Alice by Heart. And so Friday, I reached out to my sister. I said, hey, I want to go see this show. Are you interested? She said, yes, I bought tickets. We went Friday night. That should have been my first clue <laughs> into what would subsequently happen 24 hours later. As we walked away from experiencing this production, this musical production, my sister and I both commented on this magical time of our lives in junior high and high school. And we looked at these young people, these high school age students, and we're so touched by the passion and the joy and the unapologetic life force that they are all demonstrating so beautifully. And I could believe that I was led there by some mystical source, by some mystical power source. I could believe, oh yes, God came down and said, here, I'm putting this in your algorithm so that you will now go to this show. <laughs> this mystical power source saying, hey, go to this show. And maybe I was, but here's the thing, that power source is me. That power source is me. Being open to trust. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about what happened last night. But I wanna start off by one of the quotes that was presented to me last night. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. It's long, but there is a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium and it will be lost. It is not your business to determine how good it is, nor how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours clearly and directly. You have to keep yourself open and aware to the urges that motivate you. Martha Graham, the choreographer Martha Graham. This magical experience did continue into last night. 
when I was reintroduced to that quote. A few weeks ago, one of the magical unicorns from that period of my life reached out and said, hey, I'm going to be part of the Tucson Fringe Festival, which is happening on such and such weekend date, and I'm going to be doing this piece. I would love for you to show up. Um, and another thing occurred to me. We all call ourselves like magical unicorns. Did it ever occur to us that the, uh, that the mascot for our junior high was the unicorn? So one of these unicorns had an offering to share, and a lot of the unicorns showed up. It was like a little mini reunion again. It was just glorious. My friend told a story. And I want to let you know that I don't want to give away her story. That's her for her to tell. And I have invited her to join us here at some point to tell this story. She is a storyteller. She teaches improv and storytelling at Second City in Chicago. She's a native of Tucson, and we, went, we were all in this magical time together. And the story she told last night was recounting, in part, a time, that time of magic. And so it was really nostalgic for me, because she's talking, I mean, she's mentioning by name people that were part of my life at that point, that weren't necessarily in the room, but were a part of my life. And so I got into this real nostalgic space and this real nostalgic heart space, and it was a little bit of grief that I experienced, too, for two reasons. One, the particular period she, she talked about was our senior year, so 1990 going into 1991. And part of the grief for me was that I feel like I missed out on a large portion of that year because that was when I was really struggling with my identity as a gay man, which was not easy in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s. So I kind of went through this experience of grief while I was sitting here listening to the story, hearing about what she was doing and the way she was experiencing life, and that I had withdrawn myself from so much of that to deal with what I needed to deal with. And when I talked to her about this last night afterwards, she and I talked, uh, she said, you know, we were all withdrawing in our own unique way. And so we all have a little grief around that period of our life. So the story that she told was how she created a game called the Intuitive Treasure Hunter. Intuitive Treasure Hunter. And like I said, I don't want to give too much away. What I think I can say about this game that she created, the Intuitive Treasure Hunter game, is that it was an invitation to absolute joy. And that... The point of the game was to find the gifts of life without deciding what those gifts should be or where they should be located. It was really, it's really a game about present moment living. She talked a bit about the concept of the left brain, right brain duality, polarity. And she reminded us all that the left brain, of course, is considered to be the analytical side. The, the, it craves order. It is ruled by logic. It is quantitative. It has considerations of past and future. And that is really what dominates our experience because that's what we are trained to do. 
to trust the right brain, or the left brain. And that the right brain is the visual, the creative, that it is only ever in the present moment, and that it is rooted in the quality of things. It's qualitative, not quantitative. It is intuitive. It is the source of joy. And she said, we feed the left brain so much more than we feed the right brain in our culture and society. What I was also really struck by last night is that the way that the room was lit, uh, and I, I, I can only imagine this was on purpose, but as she was talking about it, she had two lights on either side of her, and it was a fairly dim, dimly lit room, and the light on her left side illuminating the left side of her face was white. And the light on the right side that illuminated the right side of her face was pink. And so it was literally showing a delineation between the right brain, the creative, and the left brain, the analytical. There are no mistakes in theater. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Everything is purposeful in that, in that realm. Here's the thing about it. Both hemispheres have value, but we are taught an imbalance. We are encouragement. We are, we are living in a consistent state of encouragement to exercise, to exercise the left brain all the time. That's what we are taught to do. It is upheld in everything. We're always looking at statistics, looking at the news, thinking about the past, thinking about the future. I don't know why the past is always on my left and the future is always on my right, except it may be that that's the way we read. So now, see, I'm being analytical. I am dominated in that moment by... The, by the left brain. But I want to encourage us all to exercise the right side, the right hemisphere, to step into practices that strengthen the intuitive nature that is part of who and what we are. I could say that I was led to buy tickets to see that show, and I was by my intuition. She told many stories around this that were meant to be illustrative of this idea of being on the hunt, the intuitive treasure hunt. And I don't want to give any of those stories away because they're so special. But I resonated with them deeply because I feel like what I recognized is that that's what I was doing last spring without even knowing that I was doing it, that I was on an intuitive treasure hunt when I walked the Camino. And I'm still finding the gifts in that. I'm still finding the gifts in that. So this is one, like, remember I said I want you to go on a journey with me that today's talk is a little bit unlike many other talks that I give. Because I kind of have thrown all of this information about this unfoldment, this journey, that this, like these things that happened to me over the last couple days. And then I wrote in my notes, what does all this mean? What this means is that it was a great reminder for me that started last Wednesday by you choosing that song and sharing it with us to keep my ending unplanned. To practice living in the mystery. To practice being led to the gifts. To practice feeding the right brain. To practice intuition to choose in every moment that I get to be the hero of my story and I get to write it 
in every single moment because I am unwritten, as are we all. Towards the end of her presentation, my friend offered a quote from Joseph Campbell that I would like to share with you. Again, it's a long one. I think it is important to live life with a knowledge of mystery and of your own mystery. It gives life a new zest, a new balance, a new harmony to do what we must. But we are not ever to risk the adventure alone. For the heroes of all time have gone before us. We have only to follow the thread of the hero path, and where we had thought to find abomination, we shall find a god. And where we had thought to slay another, we shall slay ourselves. And when we had thought to travel outward, we shall come to the center of our own existence. And when we had thought to be alone, we shall be with the world. That's the message. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. So this is sort of an extension of last week, and so the homework is an extension of last week. If you are new to our community, I choose to give homework every week as a way of making the ideas practical in our experience. And so last week I said, do something different. I see some of you sat in different locations today. <laughs> some of you didn't. <laughs> no judgment. Just awareness what draws you to be in that routine, because that's the difference between left and right brain, what draws you to be in that routine. So I would like you all in some way to go on whatever this, and, and I'm not going to define the words in the way that she defines it in her storytelling, but I want you to go on an intuitive treasure hunt this week. However you define the intuitive treasure hunt, I want you to actively engage in that this week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.